Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, and welcome to the Lightspeed Magazine Story Podcast. This is episode 393. I am Jim Freund, your host. Lightspeed Magazine is edited by John Joseph Adams, and our podcast is produced by Skyboat Media. Today's story is Mouths, written by Lise Huerta and narrated by Stefan Rudnicki. This story is copyright 2018. Lee Suerta is a Mexican working-class writer from the borderlands of Southern California. Her work has appeared in The Rumpus, The Portland Review, Duende, Lumina, and other journals. She is currently working on a high-fantasy trilogy informed by Mesoamerican cultures and landscapes. More of her work can be found at L-I-Z-Z-H-U-E-R-T-A dot com. So, let's buckle up. We're going to light speed. Mouths by Lise Huerta Times were strange, and those who survived the collapse had a jarring mixtape of skills. Plumbers were holy men, exorcising the encampments of the demons of human waste. They brought forth, stored, and dispensed the holiest sacrament of all clean water. Warriors emerged from the strangest places. Sex workers commanded respect and were offered it gladly. Thai had been working a mussel farm off the rocky coastal desert that once had been Baja, when one foot slid on algae, and she fell onto a barnacle-crusted jab of rock. Her shoulder was popped out of joint, and her nose cracked. Worst of all, two molars shattered into shards, cutting up the inside of her mouth. Phi couldn't breathe through her broken nose. Each inhalation was a twisting knife of pain. The healer she limped to was of the chanting, hand-laying sort. She told Phi there was a man who had once been a dentist. He was willing to trade. Phi hitched a ride on a panga down coast half a day. She hiked inland over scrub and treacherous earth until El Oasis shimmered into view. Fai's mouth was packed with cloth, her eyes black, rimmed red. Pink crust surrounded her swollen lips. The guard at El Oasis grimaced at her and directed her to the man who would offer her the chance to chew again. El Buitre loved both bones and mouths, beast and man. His shoulders slumped forward from the years bent over reclined bodies. He didn't mind the name he had been given. His birth name had been Fausto, so El Buitore made sense to him. He was used to looking at the wet insides of things. He was thin in body and strength, but his trade allowed him a power he'd never known before. For there was a horrible period during the months after everything fell apart, when the survivors were reduced to using their teeth as tools 
and there was no pain as constant and cruel as mouth pain. He could have demanded anything, and at first set himself up in one of the larger caps. Instead, he traded the removal of wisdom teeth for a motorhome trailer. He made a deal with the plumber lords of that encampment, and they provided him clean enough water. In return, they had first choice of his offerings, other than whatever food he chose to keep for himself. And even then, if a patient had provided something the plumbers wanted, he gave it to them. Water was essential for his practice. He worked and accumulated and traded until he was exhausted. The encampment had grown to a town, and instead of emergency care, he was cleaning teeth, replacing crowns. He had hired an assistant to refurbish toothbrushes, but he was dissatisfied with what his life had become. He hitched his trailer to a small modified tractor and headed south to El Oasis. Fai's exhaustion caught up to her. She collapsed on a shaded bench outside the modified trailer decorated with the jawbones of various animals. She panted, resting her elbows on her knees, her jaw pain a mask of fire that radiated into her left eye and shoulder, the rest of her body tense in compensation. A weight settled onto the bench beside her. Her eyes were closed. Drink this. A cup was pushed into her hands, a stainless steel straw protruding from it. Luxury, Fi thought, sipping and spilling as her swollen lips split, unable to close around the straw. The liquid she was able to swallow was cool, astringent. Almost immediately the pain flared up, then began to dissipate. Fi sucked in her saliva as her mouth numbed. She moved her jaw tentatively back and forth. Pain. She grimaced. The voice spoke again. Not so soon. Drink a little more. This will cost you nothing. Fai spent a day contemplating Elbuitre's offer. He told her no rush. He could show her how to grind her food to maintain an appropriate nutrition level for a small exchange of labor. Or he could fix her mouth, rebuild her molars, adjust her nose. Her skills were scant, but chewing was something she could not let go of. There had already been so much to let go of. Deviled eggs, smoothies, a reasonable expectation to live out a mundane life. She could not go without chewing. I will accept nothing from you that you do not willingly offer, Elbita said, polishing a scalpel. I can teach you to assist me in my practice, my life. My life is my practice. He smiled, mouth closed. Fai distrusted him, a dentist who smiled without showing his teeth. But she needed to chew, to sink her teeth into food, clench her jaw in frustration, to nip at a lover, gnaw a little. She thought of her beloved Flakis. Flakis of jagged smile, Flakis of wide laugh, Flakis knee-deep in low tide, her chisel and mallet prying the muscles loose. How long? Fi murmured. Though her swelling had gone down, her mouth was still a wound in her head. It was just after sunset. She had spent the day in contemplation. 
sixteen months, he said, but you will chew long before then. You can be free of pain in three days. Fi thought of the years behind her, then stopped. It did no good to look back, to imagine herself. It didn't matter. She was no longer who she had been, the world no longer the same. The wind blew in, gritty, dusty, dry. I want to chew again, she said, doing her best not to move her mouth. El Buitre held out a hand. They shook. El Buitre wondered where, if anywhere, there was room for romance in the world they were living in. Fi was under, a heavy dose of analgesic tea and herbs. He didn't look at her body, floppy and loose on the chair, her mouth held open with retractors he'd made from the horn of bighorn sheep. There were nasty breaks. The tooth shattered below the gum line, an abscess starting to turn into a cyst. Messy. But El Buitre was used to messy. He cleaned up as best he could, pecking the wounds with a numbing moss he traded for. He placed the mold of her mouth he'd made into a jar and stood to stretch. He looked at her body, akimbo in the white tent he operated in, a system of mirrors suspended to catch the sunlight and reflect it into the patient's mouth. The light on Fai's face wavered, her mouth attempting to form a name. Flakis had been away when Fai fell, gone south to learn how to throw a net from the hips for the shrimp that were returning. It would be weeks until the shrimp returned to their depths, diminished. Fai had no choice but to leave. She knew Flakis would understand. They had that between them. Her body fit against her beloved's bone. Fi nested in Flakis, and Flakis loved her with a ferocity enhanced by survival. There were no casual relationships anymore. Fi dreamed of her lover, watched her casting a net beneath the moon, hauling in the wriggling insects of the sea. She knew Flakis would wait for her return. Fi was pain-free as promised. El Buitre had taken his time with her new teeth, picking through the boneyard, examining jaw after jaw. He took Fi with him, piling bones in her arms, muttering to himself, yelping in fear whenever he shook free a scorpion. El Oasis was a pit stop between the larger encampments to the north and south, a stop between coasts, a watering hole, a few medics, a spot for traders and refugees to gather and pass through. El Buitre was the bone man, de facto doctor. Fi kept quiet, gathering the bones he gave her, watching every move he made. It wasn't his fault he fell in love with her. He hated clichés as much as anyone. Fi worked for him, but she never served him, and El Buitre was intrigued by her reticence. A classic story, he told himself as he was falling asleep at night. The stars above, like salt, spilled on asphalt. He missed asphalt. The smell of tar, of rubber on road. Fi was exactly the kind of woman who would have ignored him before the collapse. She confirmed for him all the ways he hated himself. He was never cruel in what he asked of her. 
he didn't have it in him. Fie, this new world has medicines the science of the past could never have imagined, he confessed to her one evening, after a patient had traded a box of wine for an extraction. What we called modern medicine was lazy, privileged. Look at this world. He leaned back, so his body dipped outside the light of the fire. It is only after being broken open that we found what we are capable of. El Buidre swerved back up, nodding at the fire, staring into it as if it were oracular. Fi sipped at the small cup of wine she'd accepted from him. Her jaw moved back and forth, a habit she'd developed when the mammal bones had been rooted into her mouth. Her jaw felt alive to her, as if it carried the knowledge of the body that had made it, as if the bone were reborn, adhering its knowledge to hers. This is a beginning for us, the first step to something greater, a whalebone whittled down to fit your mouth. What can come next? The land itself is offering us more than it ever has before. He gesticulated to the desert beyond the oasis. The land was offering up more than it had, but only because a hungry child makes its mother produce more milk, Fi thought to herself. It was a conversation she and Flakis had many nights and mornings. Flakis had recounted the feathery starts of trees that sprang up after a forest fire. Life kept going, no matter the destruction. Fi yawned, her body calling out for a deep sleep of waves and silence. He wanted to make jaws, Fi finally figured out. He spent hours with his fingers in her mouth, asking her to open and close, making notes in a small journal he kept with him always. Her mouth was used to his intrusions. It had taken months for the whalebone to take root. The glass teeth he had made her shattered in her sleep. The bighorn sheep bone rotted to blackness within days, giving Fi fever dreams, where Flakis dove in and out of the sea, coming up only to breathe. El Buitre would sometimes disappear for a half a day to follow a trader out of the outpost. He took his tools with him, but never Fi. She knew he was experimenting. Winter came, dry and cold with cruel hours of extreme heat. Fi's period of service would end as soon as the winds gasped their way southward. Too soon, too soon, El Buitre made it into a mantra. The morning of her last day, El Buitre gave Fi a cup of astringent liquid to drink. She was ready, each breath a victory against giving up. The liquid was tepid, bitter with ferment gone old. Fi swallowed and left her mouth open, jaw unhinged, tongue flaccid. El Buitre adjusted the tent so that the new wind wouldn't blow grit into his eyes. Fi breathed through her nose, her mind already moving toward Flakis, the salt of their connection. El Buitre's fingers in her mouth were nothing new. He kept his fingernails trimmed and filed so that he wouldn't cut the membrane of her inner cheeks. He traced over the familiar tendon, inhaled the damp inside smell of her. 
Over their months, her skin had darkened and dried, scaling over in some places to protect itself against dryness. Albuitre tapped on the molars he had carved from bone. He had rooted them into her body with sea lion placenta. Your mouth belongs to the sea, he said. Phi kept her eyes soft beneath her closed lids. It wasn't only chewing he had given her. She knew bones now, their patterns of breakage, how to feel for the story beneath the skin. She would take with her knowledge she had gleaned from his arrogance. The sutures she'd seen would go far, as would the ways of packing the open parts of a body to keep it alive. It wasn't just chewing. You can stay, Albuitre offered. In this part of the world there are always wounds, and we work well together. Phi pushed his fingers out of her mouth with her tongue. The bone in her jaw vibrated. She was being called. Flakis, harvests, songs at the water's edge, the brine of saltwater mollusks sliding down her throat, all the gifts the sea offered her skin ready to slough. And there were other gifts offered. Her purpose was one of community, a tendril that came from the vast network of roots that were forming beneath the land to move them from surviving to thriving. In the muscle camp, she was loved. In her previous life, she had waited tables, spent her nights in cross-trainers, delivering endless breadsticks to people on cheap first dates. Her days had been a gauntlet, taking care of her diabetic mother in an apartment filled to bursting with the detritus of misspent fear and credit cards. Vi had stayed with her mother for days after the first long blackout. She had traded something she never thought of again for a case of insulin. But there was no ice. Vi decided she had suffered enough and kissed her swollen mother goodbye. A chance encounter on the street with a great school friend who'd turned gangster, and she was on her way south, beyond the wall. Phi thought of muscle camp, the workers and their wounds. There were wounds everywhere in this new world, and few knew how to tend to them with the resources available. El Guidre sat still, hands in his lap. Phi's eyes were fixed on a point beyond his left shoulder. He counted his breaths to calm himself. Teach me, Phi said. Who knew there was such glory in bones? El Buitre sang to himself each morning he awoke to Phi, unbound and willing at the wood fire. She made teas, tinctures, medicine. She bartered with traders and refugees. They trusted her more than they trusted him. Her skill with people, paired with his skill with bones, made El Buitre feel a fear he had never known. He knew, in his own bones, he was halved without her. She was able to procure tools and bones he never would have wished for. She knew the line between a seduction and a sale and rode it well. He had gas for the first time since the collapse, a recliner and a stool on wheels, a woman at his side. He had never been so rich. 
syringes of composite trays, a headlamp. Fai was falling in love with what Eloasis offered. As she learned from El Buitre, there was another knowledge accepting its way into her body. It was the bones, she often thought during long nights. Nights she unhinged herself from thinking of Flakis. Flakis who had never come. But the bones in her mouth were a part of something. What that something was, she couldn't tell, but it was coming. It sang to her. Those nights she unhinged herself. Winter came again. Twenty-one months since Fi had stumbled into Eloasis, crusty and swollen. She had her own roof, a windowless minivan. She'd claimed a narrow ridge of rocky outcrop for herself, a hard haul for water. She'd bartered a gunny sack of the death root for the van. If she had no use of the root, there was no chance she'd ever risk being a mother. Fi was asleep in the gutted vehicle when a clenching roused her from sleep. Every bone in her body hummed. Struggling to sit up, she realized she could barely open her mouth. She clutched at the side of the van, grasping for the handle that would open the sliding door. The door opened, Fi stumbled out, her bare knees hitting the earth hard. The impact reverberated through her muscle-tight body. Lights wavered against her closed eyes. The hum, the song, came up through the skin on her knees. Beyond the sand grit, beyond the layer cake of stone, deeper to the memory of fire, memory of the first brine, her teeth turned to bristle. She took in a mouthful of brine, clenched, expelled it for what was left behind. Something in the brine embedded itself into her jaw. A wound formed, hardened. Phi came to, belly up in the moonlight, a body's length away from her roof. She didn't go back to sleep. When Flakis came... El Buitre was drinking the broth Fai made at sunset, made from the hint of fat gleaned from fish bones, kelp, husks of agave flower. It was his favorite time of day, when the sideways light from the west limbed each scraggy plant in what looked like grace. The birds overhead who went sea to sea called out their goodbyes to day. Fai was at the fire, knees splayed in the dirt, as she fed cholas into the fire. She glanced up when her flakis appeared, gasped. El Buitre spilled his broth. It soaked through the fabric of his pants, the liquid hot and itchy against his thighs. Fai, his fai, was on the dirt, rolling against the taller, leaner body. Fai, who had never shed anything, was crying, shouting, sending up clouds of dry earth in her eagerness to press her body against a body that was not his. El Buitre didn't sleep that night. He imagined too much. The cries he heard were not animal, or not any animal he had encountered. He imagined Fai leaving. He would give her everything, anything she asked. He imagined himself following her, taking his best tools. He had lived without before, 
He finally attached a mask over his mouth, turned the nozzle on a canister. A hint of gas entered his body. His blood went drunk. He closed his eyes. Phi contemplated the future Flakis described. The war with trawlers was new, ugly, old beasts from the past trying to rise up. The fish camps were engorged with fresh blood, warriors sent from other outposts. They scuttled the boats. Divers with hand-crank drills were easily injured. Phi had a new set of skills, new instincts. They could have their own home. Or, Flakis offered, they could stay at El Oasis. The choice was hers. Phi gazed out the sunroof, arms folded behind her head. There was a small crowd gathered outside the trailer where El Buitre lived. Phi quickened her step. A woman emerged from the crowd, triumphant, a package of gauze clutched under her armpit as she elbowed her way out. Phi pushed her way through the crowd. She could feel Flakis behind her, following close. El Buitre was hauling item after item from the trailer and tossing it to the crowd, not noticing who took what. The word had gone out through El Oasis. The bone man was giving up. Giving up was allowed in their world, and it was understood. People who had survived sometimes chose their death. No one judged them. El Buitre smelled Phi before he saw her. Salt, sweat, sex. She looked softer than he had ever seen her before. He reached into the trailer for the silver case he had carried with him since the beginning. Razors and knives, scalpels, tools he kept bright, polished with sand. He handed her the case. This is yours, he said. His eyes watered. Her eyes met his. He gestured behind him. Anything you want is yours. Flakis stepped forward tall and scarred. Phi held the case against her chest. Flakis pulled Phi a step backwards so that their bodies were one unit. El Buitre stared at his nemesis, who was also his love, death, and the opposite of death. Flakis stared back, eyes older than any eyes had the right to be. I have nothing left to teach her, show her. I have skills, but Phi has gifts. He choked on the words. His throat was dry. No tea had been made that morning. There are other gifts, Flaki said, grinning. Perfect teeth, El Buitre noticed, just sharp enough for tearing. He saw Flakis then, truly saw. Skin that was barely skin, a film of sweat, that was just seawater. He began to laugh, belly laugh, madman laugh. Here he was worried about who he would be without Fi, and Fi was in love with the dark lady herself. Of course I will follow you, El Buitwet said. Fi handed his tools back to him. They packed and began the trek to the coast where Apanga was waiting to take them up coast. They would have to wait until darkness to avoid the trawlers. 
There are more bones in the sea than you could imagine, Fi told him. Cartilage, beginnings, songs. He rubbed the desert dust from nailed beds and went to step his feet into the water. Welcome back. You've been listening to Stefan Rudnicki reading Mouths by Lee Suerta. We hope you enjoyed it. If so, please help spread the word by leaving a review or ratings on iTunes or the social media venue of your choice. Our editor is John Joseph Adams, and this podcast is copyright 2018 by Lightspeed Magazine. As a listener to this podcast, you know that we publish it and most of the rest of our content for free online. If you don't already support our Hugo Award-winning journal, please consider checking out our many options, including ebook subscriptions and recurring patronage via Patreon and Drip over at lightspeedmagazine.com support. Our sponsor this month is Tor Books, whose current feature title is City of Broken Magic by Mira Bolander. Skyboat Media, the most respected independent audio production team on the West Coast, produces the stories for this podcast. They are headed by the Audi and Grammy Award-winning narrators Stefan Rutnicki and Gabrielle DeCure. Be sure to check out their website at skyboatmedia.com. Post-production was by yours truly. Music and sound logos were composed and performed by Jack Kincaid. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. See you on the Bitstream. I'm Jim Freund, wishing you cheers from all of us at Lightspeed. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.